Welcome to the Redeeming Church Podcast. On this podcast, one current and one former pastor discuss current issues facing the church and how to navigate them. This is episode 23, and I'm your host, Andrew. Back from our long winter hibernation, Mike and I talk about some of the biggest challenges facing the church today. Let's dive in. Well, (laughs) Mike, you're alive. Alive and still breathing, my friend. It's been a hot minute. It's been like... I don't even know. Seven or eight weeks. I was like, more, that, was, that was more than a Christmas break. Is that, that what more. a hot minute is? Is seven to eight weeks? I think, yeah, a season is two weeks to six months, and a hot minute is kind of right in the middle of that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Then it, it, it's been a hot minute. Been a hot minute. Right. That was way more than a Christmas break. Yeah. Man, I, I, I missed you, buddy. You doing? You doing? You doing well on your end? You I'm doing. I'm doing well. Um, you're you're looking good on the on the video on oh. Zoom, but uh, you didn't have to say that. Oh well, I wanted to. No one else can see you, so I just want to affirm <laughs> the audience. That Andrew is a good looking guy. I thought you were going to say no one else will say that, so I will. <laughs> oh wow! Uh, how you been, man? Give me give me a few few little highlights from the last eight weeks of your life. A few little man, a few from the last eight weeks. Man, I'm living I'm living the dream. Uh, of life, uh, Andrew. You, as you, as you know, and as you've listened, I've taken up a new uh, side hustle along what? with our podcast. Yeah. Um, well, I, I found out how this podcast actually doesn't pay as much as I would hope for, so I've taken my voice talents to let's stop there. Let's well, stop there. What did you hope for? <laughs> oh, I, I had I had dreams and ambitions that we'd be on the the top ten Spotify podcast that we would yeah. we'd we'd be better than Joe Rogan. Um, you know, we'd be one of those, but that has not happened yet. Now I'm still holding out to hope that that will happen, but you know, just to still bring in the dough, um, you know, I've, I've been doing, I've been doing play by play. Yeah, you have for, um, women's tennis, right? Uh, no, but you know, there was a point where I would have been okay at taking anything, whether it was like middle school tennis. Um, so this has been high school basketball for right. the, uh, Southeastern Wisconsin Era, maybe South Central, actually, or that Whitewater Fort Atkinson area. Nice. But, uh, that that's been good. Um, Enjoying it? Oh man, it is. It is giving me a hunger for more. <laughs> and uh, it's like the, it's like the a pro- drug. Yeah, the problem is I don't I don't think I'm good enough to to make it to the to the big leagues. But you know, I'll enjoy it for what it is. What are you like and, three? Uh, what are you like three games in? Three games in, yeah, three games, and I feel like I can already tell that I'm not, I'm not going to be whatever. And this is just, with Bob Euchre. This is a stepping stone for baseball play-by-play, really. It really is, yes, yeah. I actually, my hope is to be doing some baseball come the summertime. So, yeah, high school baseball, but and really, how many, how many thirty-one-year-olds do you know that are calling professional baseball play-by-play? None, right? Yeah, right. So, right, so, so you got you got plenty of time before you failed. Thanks, buddy. I 15, that. 20 years from now, maybe you can look back and say, yeah. okay. Oh crap. I wasn't good at that. You got time. I prob- probably should have kept my day job. Oh man. <laughs> um <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, lots of lots of good things happen in, in, in life. But uh how are you, buddy? Uh yeah, you I, I know you had a little bit of a COVID vacation at one point. I got which, the vid. Yeah. <laughs> We did, yeah. Caught caught the little virus from districts, nonetheless. 
There's that. Oh, that so that was of of no shock or surprise uh, for for our viewers who don't know uh, that the youth conference that back in my pastor days uh, I used to go to with my students, but then the baton was passed to to you, Andrew, and a couple of our our, our good friend Steve. And uh, yeah, I figured I figured a lot of you were going to come back <laughs> with yeah, something. You're right. Most of the leaders, uh, several students, got the vid. Uh, a couple of weeks after districts there. So my wife got it. My little six month old got it. It was pretty pathetic for a few days, but we're good now. Did you have a, did you have a good experience from that? Uh, I know. I, I feel like you've always been the one hearing about that as a conference, but now that you got to go to it, was it worth the hype? Oh man. I thought you were talking about COVID and I was like, let's oh. talk about your phrase right there. <laughs> did you totally have a good experience? <laughs> <laughs> well, I couldn't get warm. Um, no districts was great. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> better than COVID for me <laughs> so, so hanging um, out with teenagers man COVID would have been a lot better at least I would have been by myself um, no it was great <laughs> especially staying at the uh, Tundra Lodge that resort with like the indoor water park that dwarfs mm. any other water park I've ever been to yeah pretty sweet yeah you know that 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 is a great uh, great hotel and resort it's a shame that there's no Green Bay Packers I'll be staying there the next uh, the next week for that's true that's that's true but i guess the last couple of weeks because we'll be we're past but, the uh, playoffs at this point it was fun because the conference center was right next to lambo stadium and i've never been to green bay so got to wait sorry what did, you, what did you call it again lambo stadium lambo field what's the stadium called lambo field that's okay but what's the stadium called it's it's lambo field that's okay that's what i said lambo field you, you, you said you said lambo stadium and i'm like what's the stadium i'm asking what's the stadium called that, yeah, I mean, even... it's it's called Lambeau Field itself. It's it's never been called Lambeau Stadium. Oh, I see what you're saying. I had yeah. the first word right, not the second word. Yeah, yeah. But don't don't most sports complexes have like the th- the stadium is named something, and then like the court or the field is also named something. S- some do. Yeah, I think there are some that are exclusive, and I think I think Lambeau is one of those rare places where they haven't sold out to the corporate monsters to change their name. It's like Wrigley Seven. Field. It's like Wrigley Field is always Wrigley Field. Um, and then people give it heat whenever people call it uh, Wrigley Stadium, right? So I feel like like Lambeau and Wrigley. We're not the same a stadium. Thing. How dare you? There's no seats here. Just a field. <laughs> big open field. Sorry, I, I made more of a big deal about that than I should have. No, that's okay. <laughs> Speaking of sports, my other big fun thing is that uh, unranked Arkansas Razorbacks, they're going to be ranked next week. You know why? Because they're on a nine-game win streak which included defeating number one Auburn last night. Boom. You know, saw that man. And I was, I was so happy for you and, and for Arkansas. That's a big deal. I'm raising the roof right now. I'm bringing it back. Wow. He's, he's literally raising we are. the roof of his office. Raising the roof for the hogs. Wisconsin won too. They did. Yeah. Beat, uh, Michigan State, I think. They did. That was a big win. Could be it could be a good march, especially if there's no baseball. Um <laughs> sure, you know, I we were talking last night and I'm like, I'm looking forward to March of Madness. I can't believe it's already here. Yeah. Feels like it just happened, but uh it's one of my favorite times of the year. Best three weeks of the year, March Madness. Good times. You know, it's also the best, one of the best times of the year, Andrew, is when well, when you and I can get together and do this podcast, right? Um yeah. Yeah, no, that's true. And I get to see you this Saturday. You do get to see, yeah. Happy birthday celebration for Mike. 
sweet. Hey, I got your Christmas present from like months ago now. So remember that time we saw each other around Christmas and you could have given it to me and then you didn't. And now it's been, I didn't. Yeah. I I thought there'd be more time for us to get together. And uh, I guess not. I'm not the last. Well, that was enough catch up after eight weeks. Let's jump in to episode 23. This is episode 23. Yeah. Give our give our people what they really want, which is not us jibber jabbering. I think some people like it, but yeah, I think some people would like you know some substance. So I'm glad we can give them both. Right, give it to them, Mike. What are we talking about today? Uh, we're talking today about uh, you know as you as you've talked about, we had a long a winter hiatus. We had a a good good mid-season break for load management. Now we're coming back together and I almost feel like there's some rust that we got to get off. And uh, mm. I figured uh, on this episode, we would just kind of come back and maybe visit some of the, some of the original topics of this program. So we, uh, I feel like in the first half of the season, we, we had a lot of episodes that were centered around uh, maybe my life a little bit. <laughs> as what? Far as like leaving, what is it? What it is to leave a church, find a new church, you know, all of that. And, <laughs> Uh, at least, at least that's a, a friend of ours told me. Um, is this redeeming Mike's life? Uh, this is still redeeming church. And uh, as we get ready for the second half of this season, I think this episode can be where we discuss. You know, what do we feel like are the biggest challenges of the church today? Right. Like, so you being a pastor, me working alongside a parachurch organization, who's still in a church. You know, what are, what are we seeing? And I think what we could do is, is maybe begin with like a list of things that, that come up in convo, right? So if people, if you were to ask a random citizen within the four <laughs> walls of the, of the church, hello, hey, random what's, citizen. what's, what's the, hello, what is the biggest challenge of the church today? And so maybe we'll, we'll brainstorm, we'll, we'll hit some things, we'll talk about that, and then we'll share what we feel like is the biggest issue of the church today. Um, Andrew, what do you think? Why don't we, why don't, why don't you name us off a few things that people have brought up in conversation about the biggest challenges or maybe biggest threats to the church today? Let's say threats, because that sounds more, more action oriented. Uh, biggest threat in the church today. I'm just going to dive right in uh, hmm. to, the big, to the big ones, the big guns, um, so the phrase that I've come up with that I, if anybody thinks about stealing this to write a book, let it be known in this podcast that I had this idea first and I'm, I'm verbally copywriting it right now. Um, which my, <laughs> my mom was a paralegal and she'll say, that's not how copywriting works either. So I, I feel like that's as effective as Michael Scott screaming bankruptcy and saying he declared it. declare <laughs> bankruptcy. Uh, so I think the the phrase that I have, the phrase is the normalization of brokenness, right? Mm. So, so the biggest mm. threat, threat is, I hate that language. I think we can challenge. We, we, could, we can retract that challenge. No, we'll well, no, no, you, you said challenge in the notes here, so I didn't use that. The biggest challenge in the church today is the normalization of brokenness by mm. culture and by the world, right? Mm. And there are a number of issues that are being a lot, a lot of them revolving around sexuality um, and gender that are um, being normalized by the world. And they are being um, taught on the grade school level, right? And from the, from the ground up, 
to kids, that is a very different worldview set of values um, than what the Bible teaches and what we believe the way God created mankind, uh, humankind. And so um, I think that we have seen and will continue to see an ever-growing hostility towards the church from mm. former believers who have left the church because of this, from atheist people who hate the church because of this, uh, because of the views that we hold that we believe are true because we believe the God of the universe declared them. Um, but that is very against where culture is headed in terms of, um, yeah, right. There is right. Post-truth, this whole vein of things. There's no mm-hmm. truth. It's you do you what's right for you. What's good for you. Um, and so, right. And that is, we're seeing that being taken to the nth degree in a lot of ways. Um, and the church um, needs, needs to, and I think, uh, some churches are doing a good job of standing firm and saying, saying no, that's not not what we believe, right? And and not even proselytizing that and pushing that down people's throats necessarily. Just the simple fact of saying we disagree with you is enough to be ostracized um, and yeah, cast aside by culture. Um, and then there's well, there's a whole other side to it that I won't dive into yet. I'll let you respond to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with the, the you know the big picture one that you you talked about. I think the the post truth one is is definitely definitely a challenge. And as far as I, I don't know if the church has done a really like knows necessarily how to respond well, which is interesting because I feel like just throughout the history of the church. Um, the church has always been in places where there have been times of multiple truths, right? So even like the early church, you didn't have, you know, just the God of, uh, the God of Israel. You didn't have Jesus. You had like cultures that like everyone believed in a God of some sort. Right. And, and so you have all these different things that are happening. And so you have like, I think letters where, where like Paul, right. In, in particular, is able to speak to that, right. And, and speak a gospel message to that. Um, and then today, yeah, because we're in this this era where where cult- and I feel like culture is actually like struggling with this too, right? There's like inconsistencies and like 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 a good example is like cancel culture, right? Like even that, like people I think are like have unleashed this animal that they don't know how to control because like you can cancel certain people, but then your favorite celebrity all of a sudden like what you thought was cool, like they say something and now you're struggling what to do with them, right? Like what is true? And then for the church. I think there's been that this challenge of like how do we how do we bring the ultimate truth to that, especially to some of these hot button issues. I think like you can throw other things in there, like um, you know, like racial racial issues, racial tensions. You can throw in, um, yeah, I, I'm blanking right now, but like you, you yeah, you can throw in a lot of these different things, and there's like this struggle of trying to figure out or how to navigate truth in that. And then yeah, like you said too, right? There's I don't think in America personally, like I don't, I don't feel like we're at the stage yet where I feel like actually as, as American Christians, we complain too much about persecution that's not there. But like the reality is like there mm-hmm. is some of that. Like there is like an over overseas in some countries, you got churches that are out there that uh, because of like any of their core convictions about even just Jesus being the the one and only God, right? That's controversial. And that's something that you got to stand on. Um yeah, I don't, I don't know if, if we'll be there at some point, maybe not in our lifetime, but, or, but, but maybe either way. Yeah. I mean, trying to stand firm in that is definitely 
definitely a challenge. And I, so I think the other side of it, well, I don't know if the other side is the right phrase, just a different facet of it. Um, right. That is a big enough challenge that the church faces and is going to face is this, um, this normalization of brokenness by culture that we're going to stand on scripture and say, we don't, we disagree with that. Right. Right. Um, it, it's okay it, to be, it's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay there, which I feel like culture does that a lot too. Right. Uh, I don't know if that, if that makes sense. It does not explain that more. So I think, I think sometimes I hear a lot, like, like, and I would affirm this, like, when people say it is okay to not be okay, right? It is okay to be broken. It is okay to not have your life together. It's okay to be this. But then we say things like, but you can accept accept that and stay there. Where I don't think that's the the, the Christian message is, yes, we, we are not okay, but we're also trying to be redeemed. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but that was just- No, it's okay. Didn't we talk about that on a previous episode? The idea of like, like how the, the um, phrase, right? The modern Christian phrase, real and raw is so- so mm. used and so uh, in millennials mm. vocabulary that are in church, but it's this idea that, right. Like you, you, um, if you're sharing the exact same struggle and you're in the same place with that struggle for three years with your small group, there's a problem there. Mm. It's great that you're being real and raw. It's great that you're being real and raw and vulnerable with people. And that's the first step, but it's the first step. So let's, let's work on helping you take the next steps. So what I was going to say is that um, like that is a big enough challenge in and of itself. We don't need the idea of um, we're just going to stand firm on, on these beliefs that we think are true. We don't need to create bigger challenges for ourselves. And we do that too often as a church, right? Which is like you said, churches are trying to figure out how do we respond to this? And a lot of churches respond in a really poor way. And mm. that creates more challenges that, that <laughs> when you, when you get yelled at by the world for yelling at them and, and for right picketing funerals. And I know I'm taking it to the extreme, but because of your wrong unbiblical response, um, friends, just in love, I'm telling you, that's not persecution. That is you getting what you got coming to you. Cause you beat a dumb dumb. Um, Why is the world picking on me after I yelled at it or posted along the diatribe on Facebook? Uh, Persecution for the name, baby. Um, yeah, there is. In fact, what we're talking about it, <clears throat> Redeemer right now in church, the idea of unity in the body, right? Starts in Ephesians 2 and the idea of humility and gentleness and patience and love and peace. And these are things we certainly should have for each other, but we should certainly have for the world too and how we treat them and how we portray the gospel of Christ. And too often we yell, and then we call it, oh man, now you got me going. And then we call it righteous anger, right? Jesus, I'm just, Jesus had righteous anger. I'm having righteous anger. Do you know who had who Jesus had righteous anger towards? Uh, the, the broken people. I'm <laughs> <laughs> no, just kidding. <clears throat> Mike, we got a lot of talking to do, buddy. <laughs> um, I almost made a joke about you not being a pastor anymore, but I withheld. Oh, you should have. It's okay. I withheld. Um, I'm self-aware. I know where I'm at. <laughs> the, it was the Pharisees. It was the Pharisees. It was yeah. wolves in sheep clothing. That yeah. is who Jesus had a righteous anger for. People who yeah. were intentionally and knowingly manipulating and leading his people astray. Right? Those are the people that he yelled at, that he flipped tables at. Mm -hmm. uh, broken people who needed a doctor and who needed a savior. 
Um, but that's not what we do too often as a church. Um, we get we get defensive about our beliefs. We don't need to be that way, right? Um, mm. We need to be confident in who we are and the in what Christ has given us and the hope that we have. And then we we uh, treat a broken world with love and patience and peace. And we don't try to fix or correct them before they come to Christ. We just preach Christ. Mm. Okay, diatribe over. No, it's good stuff. I remember, um, I think I forget who, I think this is Ed Stetzer, who is a pretty well-known kind of a Christian author professor um, with Christianity Today. One of the things he said is like, you know, you can't, you can't win over culture when you're always at war with it. And I, I feel like there is something, you know, to that where I think often for there, there's truth that we have, like we know we do. And do we, it's almost like, are we, are we measuring our effectiveness? Well, <laughs> uh, because I think sometimes people feel like if I just scream, scream louder back at the world, right. Eventually it's going to submit to my, to my bidding. And that doesn't seem to work. And yet we keep doing it that way. So it's like, is there a side door <laughs> to go through, right? Um, a, a different approach on how we take the gospel truth to people. Um, and, and yeah, it kind of seems like, Andrew, that like people, I don't know. I don't want to say that's that's too general of a, of a, uh, of a statement, but it, it seems like there's a lot of loud people uh, who I think are hell-bent. I'll, and I'll use that phrase on purpose. So hell-bent on thinking that if I just like, if I just share more, yell louder, go on my own platform, distance myself from people, that will eventually bring people to Christ. Um, I don't know. I don't feel like that works, but. Which even, I mean, even psychologically, you're talking about the right approach and the side door and like anybody who has done effective or good witnessing um, just or sharing the Lord with people in their lives built on relationship and right. Like. Those are those are long one um, conversations, right? Um, so we have friends in our lives who don't know the Lord, and their kids don't know the Lord, and right, we've known them for two years, and we build a relationship with them, and we don't shove and push. We 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 try to steer it once in a while to the Lord, and yeah. just, just to get them talking, right? Because that's what it's about. People want to talk, and you need to hear, right? So when you come in with your own agenda and you like, it doesn't matter what they say, I'm going to go here with it. You're not talking to a person. You're talking, you want them to be a robot that listens to you about Jesus. And we are talking to people and people mm. need to be heard. They need to feel validated and loved and cared for um, right in young life and college, right? Which is the age old phrase um, that is everywhere. Uh, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And so, mm. Like, why? <laughs> How does anybody think yelling is going to help? And right, the, right, the, the thing is, is they don't. They just, it feels good to yell. Mm. And they get defensive and it's, it's easy to yell and it's harder to be patient. Mm. Mm. I think there's, a, there's a reason why James was like, be, uh, be quick to listen, slow to anger. Man, that is timeless truth <laughs> for today that, yeah, I agree. It doesn't get doesn't get used. You got two. You got two ears and one mouth, buddy. Mm-hmm. Use them. Still, my favorite uh, 
my favorite uh d or well, i don't know my favorite it's one of the first dc talk songs i learned it's actually the first song i ever learned on guitar dc talk what if i stumble yeah yes mike what if i stumble mike do you know who dc talk is uh, I know they did Jesus Freak, and oh I know Toby gosh. Mac was one of them. You're only them. you're only three years younger than me. This is not like I, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this is your lack of I, Christian culture right can now. I, can I can I confess something? Like no, I I oh, okay. No, I'm gonna confess it anyway. Um, I've never been a huge fan of like I had a phase where I really like Hawk Nelson and Cutlass, um, but on a whole, I've never been a fan of like Christian rock and DC Talk. I think was one of those bands I just avoided. Um, I know, I know. That makes me terrible. I, I don't know how I was a youth pastor for eight years. <laughs> but all the but the few bands that you did like were built on the backs of DC Talk. They, they were, were one they of the right. first. Yep. Anyway, what if I stumble? That was the first time I learned a guitar. And uh famously there the opening of that song is a recording of I don't actually know who. It's just a spoken. It sounds like a professor. He's saying the greatest single cause of atheism atheism in the world today is Christians who um, preach things with their mouth and deny it by their lifestyle mm. and right when we preach love and patience and peace and humility in christ but then the way that we preach it it's <laughs> not any of those things what do we expect except a culture that hates us wow well that was my first topic now that we're done with the episode <laughs> <laughs> what uh do you, what do you have on your list uh, for that uh, biggest challenge gonna, today? Uh, I was going to say the biggest challenge is, uh, is CRT. I can't define it for you, but I just know it's bad. And uh, Christ and I rich know, theology. I, I know, I know it, it, uh, it's a good idea to put it on a website of your church. Um, and uh, <laughs> um, whoa, JK, what, does that relate to anything in real life? Um, JK, but for real, but for, for real. Yeah, you know, there was a lot of things that I was I was thinking about, and I, I feel like that's what's made even talking about like just as a, for for us as our podcast and just in general, there's so many different things to talk about um, that have been just become as challenges. You know, you you touched on uh, some good ones, uh, post truth. Um, we we talked about the the, uh, the political nature of a lot of different things. Um, I think you could talk about the divisiveness of the church. Um, I think denominations right as we're seeing kind of the big picture right you're seeing even like like for example like the SBC and like how that denomination's at odds with one another so like people talk about divisiveness um you know I think the thing that I that I was thinking about to try to like sum it up and give it a good big picture was like I feel like our the biggest challenge for the church today is that we lack a a good eschological vision um, and by that, I mean, I feel like we, we lack a picture of like, of like, what is the goal of, of our time here in this world? What is the goal of like the kingdom or, or, or what is our kingdom mindset? Right. And I think, uh, because I think, let's, let's see, let's see how far I go with this. Um, I think right now in the, in the American church, what I feel like we're lacking right now is like a real heart of mission. Not just for, I think we have like mission oriented people overseas, right? Like I know people who like, like they, they give to missionaries overseas and that's awesome. And praise God for that. Cause it's such a need, like support your local missionary or, or support your missionary overseas. But I think there's also some, some parts of us that go, 
Okay, so there's there's mission happening, but I don't need to do it in my context, right? And I think I think sometimes, uh, you know, as if I was to take a whole big picture historical account, right? Like in America, you know, throughout its history, there's been a huge Christian influence, right? And I think a lot of people have been able to look at and go, all right, cool, like like Christianity is thriving in America and we're good, right? And now as culture has changed and shifted, it's become more diverse, more opinions and and different things, right? Now there's almost like this attitude of like either you're either really um, you're trying to like get back what you had in America. So now and, and maybe for some you recognize that, OK, Christendom is like lost its influence. So let's just hunker down and wait for Jesus to come back. Right. Or you go the other way and like you conform almost too much uh, to culture and to where you lose out on the, on the truth of the gospel. And so I think you have this this polarizing thing happening within the church. And I think it comes down to like, what is our, what is our vision of the kingdom? Right. So when Jesus came and said, go and make disciples, are we doing that? Um, is that our focus or are we too busy on the program side of things? Are we, you know, we, we just touched on it. Like, you know, when we do our evangelism, are we doing our evangelism because we actually care about the people um, that we're talking to or because they're a project? Um, are we praying a lot? You know, there, there are different things that come along with that, where when you, when you lack your, your, when you lack your vision, like the vision of, of what it is that God is calling us to, because like, I could think of like what, you know, not to jump too far ahead, but like, when I think of like the picture revelation that we get at the end of the Bible, like what the church is going to look like, it's going to look diverse. It's going to be like, there's this, there's this vision that we have that like of no more sorrow, no more suffering, no more pain in the world or no more pain in heaven. But then I think for a lot of people, they're building their kingdoms here on earth, right? They're building their, this is like, um, this is where I want to be comfortable. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with like being somewhat comfortable, but like, do we idolize that? You know, so anyways, I, I feel like I've, I've got a big picture thing here that kind of breaks down in a lot of different areas. But like, I think it starts with like, when we lack our, our vision of like, of seeing people come to know, come to be in the kingdom, of, of seeing people like know biblically and doctrinally who Jesus is. Right. Um, I think, I think that's our challenge. Right. And I think that kind of relates to your post-truth uh, or like being, being in a, in a post-truth society, right. Where we do have a good truth uh, to share. Um, are we, are we focused on that? I don't know. That was a lot of jargon. Um, what are your thoughts on that? On my long monologue. Um. I got stuck on Revelation for a while and curious what the lake of fire is going to look like. <laughs> Demons and Satan and liars and fornicators are all going to go burn in. Wow. Went there, didn't I? <laughs> Revelation 21 8, liars go to hell. Burn, burn, burn. Burn, burn, burn. Um, man, that's why mission statements are so important. I'm a big fan of mission statements mission statements exist and vision statements exist to help keep an organization on task to say this is why we exist this is what we do if everything we anything we choose to do isn't run through this first as the first filter then we're not doing it right mm. right if we're going to start a new program in the church we run it through our mission is this helping accomplish our mission, right? Which if every church's mission isn't generally the same and doesn't have something to do with the Great Commission, 
making disciples, mm-hmm. going into the world, then that church is probably missing it. Yeah. Um, visions can be different depending on where you are, what community you're in, what season of the life in your particular local church you're at, but the mission of the church is always the same. Um, and so if you're not, if every, and so mission to vision, if you're not running what your new idea, your new program, your new, your new thing, what you want to do through that filter, then you become what a lot of churches have become, which is a hodgepodge, right? Duct taped together. Yeah. Well, this sounded good at the time five years ago. This sounded good three years ago. We just never quit doing it because we don't evaluate anything. And so now we're just conglomeration of random events that really don't have a whole lot to do with the Great Commission. Yeah. And and I would even say, right, like I know a lot of churches have a mission uh, that's like uh, based in scripture, but it's never referenced, right? It is very much a, this is what a church is supposed to be, but then we go in all sorts of different directions. And I think, I think what, like you said, like can happen sometimes is that you create, you create something or you create a, um, like some sort of program or some sort of like uh, initiative that is either out of date or, um, you know, like it's just something that's not effective. Right. And it's effective for like what, what, what the church used to be, you know, 15 years ago, but it's not effective now. And it's like, Oh, what are we doing? And I think that, that it happens when you can have a mission statement, but if you don't use it, then right. It's, it's in the same spot. Like you get a hodgepodge of things that, that are not a helpful to the church or like, appropriate for where people are at today which people today are complicated as we've talked about yeah i i totally agree and every person every staff member certainly and then really ministry leaders and hopefully your people but especially those upper tier ones should know the mission statement and be able to say it at a moment's notice and it should be not to dive into the weeds of mission statements but it should be simple effective and even be able to boil down further, right? So I think about mm. New Life Ranch, where I worked uh, four years as a summer camp counselor, did a year internship in Oklahoma at this camp. And right, I still remember the mission statement. Uh, New Life Ranch mm. exists to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and equip believers for ministry. And so, and then even the two words pulled out of that, that were used all the time, on literature, buildings, and staff meetings, proclaim and equip. New Life Ranch exists to proclaim and equip, mm. right? Like... That's an effective, efficient mission like statement that, that was yeah. put. Which, even that could you be used at most churches, right? Oh, yeah. Um, but the point is that it's infiltrating the culture of your organization. And to bring it back to your points, I mean, because when you don't, if you don't have your mind focused all the time on what the end game is. You can get lost and go a hundred different directions and very easily, like, you're, you're doing an evaluation of your church all of a sudden for the first seven years. And you're like, why are we doing this ministry? Like, what is this, what is this program we started doing? Like, <laughs> how has no one thought about this in relation to what we're supposed to be doing as a church? Okay. Like, let's, let's think about if that's the best use of our time and resources. One of my favorite things, which I would love to do here is, um, right. So many churches, especially I think in the Midwest and America, um, I, I think they turn into, um, and not saying that Redeemer is this necessarily by any means, but churches can turn into into a club, right? Like we mm-hmm. do like a lot of what we do is for our people, right? It's for yes, people within yeah. the four walls of the church 
So, right, like every church, again, evaluate annual evaluations of everything, staff, programming, ministries, is this still accomplishing what we wanted to accomplish? Is it so effective for our mission? And so, um, right, and part of that process should be that you, <laughs> you should have to list out everything that your church does, every ministry that happens, every program that happens, and generally put them into two categories. Is this generally for the church? or just generally for the lost, right? Mm-hmm. And again, like we might have a pollock and say, well, that's for the church, but all lost people could come. Yeah, that's not for the lost though, right? That's for the church. And so I, man, to what a challenge that would be to do that. Because I think this is just speculation. A lot of churches, a lot of churches would look at that list and say, wow, 80% of what we do we generally brainstorm and think it's a new four people in our church. You know, and, and I think you're right. And I think my concern along with that is I think we have a lot of people that would say that's okay. Right. Mm-hmm. Like there are some people who are like, it is that, okay for me to have. That is a concern. Like, yeah. Like it is okay for my church to just cater to my needs because you know what, like, like the world's going to pot anyway. Let's just, let's just, you know, huddle together right? And disengage from culture and disengage from people and just have our own thing. And, and, and yeah, like not bring the gospel out. And I feel like it reminds me of the, the parable of the talents, right? Where, where Jesus, or like in the story, right? There are talents given to these three servants, right? But the first two put a lot of work into it. They use the talent, they use what they were given and they receive much back. And then the third person, um, like hides his, his stuff. <laughs> and then, and then his master's angry at him. Right. And like the lesson there is, um, uh, is like the Lord has given us like today, like has given us so many resources and ways to engage and like, not always, not always great. Like, I think, you know, I think, I think it's difficult to figure out how to minister in this season, right. Of like, uh, like with COVID and with the racial tensions and with sexual fluidity, just to name a few topics, but like you get into mental health, you get like, there are challenges, right. But like the Lord continues to give us the things and the resources to use. But I think a lot of people go, um, I don't want to do this. I, I want to just live the life I want to live and, and be comfortable. And, and then, and then I'll die. Just let me die <laughs> and, and kind of waste. Right. So, and that's where, and that's where I feel like some like churches, this is why some churches die off because they're like, they've kind of accepted the fact of, yeah, we're just not going to change. We're not, we don't need to improve. Let's just, let's just get old and gray together. And, and that's it. And I think people are comfortable with that, which I think, yeah, is a, is a concern I have. And I don't think that's the mission that like God did not say, go have a church and then, and then, and then just hang around until I come back. But I think a lot of people interpret um, the Bible that way. No, the mission was by Christ, go out and make disciples of all nations, <laughs> baptizing them, the Holy spirit and, and go like literally go is the command. A lot of people are like, I'm going to stay and that's worrisome that's a challenge yeah man we're doomed (laughs) i well that's a good segue into our next our next uh our final question for today but just trying to think about how to summarize what i'm feeling based on your, your response to respond to what you said and it just is so it is really disheartening and discouraging that too many people, which again is speculation. I haven't done a poll. I don't, I don't know. It's just based on what I've experienced and see and hear people talk. But it is a problem, Mike. 
if the church has a drive-in movie in their parking lot and people in the church, let alone staff, if people get frustrated because on the Facebook signups, there's a lot of people that don't go to our church that have signed up that are coming and there aren't enough spots in the parking lot for our people. We should let our people sign up first. And then if there's spots open, this wasn't set up as an outreach event. Like we should let our people sign up first. And then if there's room, we'll release it. I'm like, good, sweet heavens. I couldn't disagree with, I couldn't disagree with that more. I could not be, I am complete 180 degrees in a different way of thinking than what you just said. Right. How unbelievably incredible would it be? And that we could stand before the Lord and he would say, well done, good and faithful servant. If none of our people could come to a drive-in movie because we had a hundred cars, which was our capacity. And they're all people from our neighborhood that don't go to our church. Are you kidding me right now? Mm-hmm. That's the dream. Like that's the vision. Mm-hmm. How amazing yeah. would it be if we're not prepared to go to two services? We can only have one, but none of our people can actually fit because we've got 300 people from our community, from our neighborhood that wanted to come to church. And we tell our people, hey, we're going to set up some makeshift live stream in the gym and we need you to go there so we can have room for these lost. But the discouragement is that how many people would feel that way and willingly be like, oh, absolutely. Are you kidding me? I mean, there are some people who get ticked off and you take their seat in church, even though it's a new person, <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, and yeah. Th- that is close to home because we this past Sunday was our first Sunday of one service. <laughs> so uh, first and second service people were fighting over some seats. No, they weren't fighting. Yeah, just, right. Just kidding. Yeah, nothing says like, uh, love your neighbor, and, uh, <laughs> love your brother, sister, like, wait a minute. Yeah. I have to give up my spot. Yeah. Um, and, and right, and that starts with changing that mindset in people. Starts with putting them having a strong mission and putting mm-hmm. it in front of them regularly. This is who we are. This is what we're about. Mm-hmm. We are, we are believers and disciples of Christ. And we want to make more of those. Yeah. <laughs> of course we want to get back to two services. We want to get to three to four to, to split and make a new church because we're outgrowing the space because we are making more believers in Christ. And that doesn't come by giving our people first dibs at seating or first dibs at driving, you know, oof, man. Yeah, buddy. I remember uh, a good, a good uh, pastor friend of mine had once said he wanted to write a book uh, for the church entitled get over yourself <laughs> or, or subtitle. It's not about you. Um, and Rick cause I think sometimes what's that Rick Warren already took that. It's not about you. Did he really? Well, that, uh, another that famous okay. first first line of Purpose Driven Life. It's not about you. Uh, I should read Purpose Driven Life. That's why my life feels purposeless. Um, probably why you're not a real Christian. That's probably why. Yeah, like that, and between that and not listening to Christian rock. Um, but yeah, but I think that's the thing about, and not just like the church, but like even just like the, the gospel itself, right? Is a message about denying yourself. Right, giving up yourself. If, if if being called to lay down things, comfort, riches, what have you, uh, to do that. And I, and again, I I feel like there are people who, yeah, I think want want that. Um, but then there's also that struggle. Like, I, oh, this might be a controversial opinion, but whatever, I'll go there. Like, it's what, it's what we do here. People redeem, think I'm redeeming people, church. 
<laughs> people think I'm liberal anyway. Um, so, you know, whatever. Um, it, it, you know, it's like when back when I think this is a few years ago, the refugee crisis, right? And we had this influx of people coming in. And I just remember seeing a lot of like, yeah, a lot of Christians saying like, it is it is biblical for us to not <laughs> to like, because they're, they're Muslim, to not welcome them. And I remember our good, our good friend, David Platt, um i guess not our good friend yet friend of the podcast fop friend friend of the pod uh i remember him talking about like what an opportunity for for people who have a completely different faith um rather than us going to them them coming to us to proclaim christ to proclaim the gospel and that that opinion didn't jive with a lot of people because it was like like my view of, of my life involves that like like i get to have my my space and like my the things that i want and and again, like there, there isn't a, it's, it's not about you mindset. It's me first, but we put God in that. We say like, God is catering to my needs and, and not that he isn't right. Like, I think it's an important thing that like God cares about us don't Right. But, but Andrew doesn't, doesn't Jesus talk about how, like when, when one person gets, you know, gets saved when one person, you know, uh, believes in Jesus and, and aligns their faith with him, right? There's a, there's a what, there's a party in heaven. Because, and that's, and that's the point, like, that's the big picture goal that, yeah, like, to back to your example, man, like, why do we get so frustrated about, <laughs> about things like, and I, and I mean, you use movie example, but we could probably go on for a ton of examples of how, like, like sometimes in the church, we get, we get ticked off <laughs> when, when, when lost people come to our building. Um, or we get really uncomfortable and unwelcoming when someone who's like who maybe relates or has a different sexual identity, right? Like, man, we're just not we're just not good at, at loving lost people. Maybe that's our biggest challenge as a church. I don't know. Sorry, I'm I'm going on my own rabbit trail. But but it all ties back to just your what you said about like we've lost our our purpose so often and our like our our mission. Right. And what we're talking about is the journey of sanctification. Right. Because you expect that from an immature believer, a new believer, like the idea of dying to yourself. My life is not my own anymore. (laughs) It's not a sacrifice for me to give money or a time uh, or energy to the church because it's not mine to give. It's the Lord's. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, We have sacrifice. You sacrifice your life the moment you believed. Um, But giving that over true control is is a lifelong process. And so, but we're trying to help people get there Yeah, a lifelong process of putting it in front of them continually. That is why the gospel should be preached. <laughs> I, um, I don't know that I need it preached. I'm not, I don't know that I'm advocating for the gospel to be preached every Sunday, but what I am saying is that it should, it should be pretty frequent. My, one of my mentors and pastors back in Arkansas, um, he made it, his mission is to, um, if not, if not explicitly, then in some way, um, sharing, sharing the gospel or just the basic tenets of the gospel or, or tying yeah. back to the gospel, right. In every sermon, right. Cause you don't know who's going to be there. Um, but even for those that even the believers that are there, it's the center of our faith is not the starting point. It is, it is what our faith is built on. And, and only that will help us truly develop the heart for the lost and for mm-hmm. the mission that we're supposed to be having. Whew. Yeah, man, we we try to we try to cover uh, a lot in this, but you know, I, I think well, it just kind of uh, it just kind of spiraled real fast. It, it it did, and 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 not in a bad way because I because I, you know what I mean. Like there is just so many 
like I feel like you could have we could have talked about a number of different like things that have come up as far as like here are the hot button issues, which like like a lot of those things need to get talked about, and maybe we will in future episodes, right? But I think at the same time, right, there is like something that I think connects to that, right? Like when you see, for example, like um, like someone on Facebook um, who's been like relates or who's been a Christian for like forty years, but like um, does not want to talk to anyone like who has got a different opinion than them. Right. Like, like, I feel like in some ways, like there's a gospel issue there, right? Like, okay, you're not willing to, to be like Jesus and to enter into someone else's world to sit with them, like, um, or to speak with them. Right. And I think, I think we've got a lot of people who are there, which is where, like, I think there's, there's a reason why I think a lot of people look at the church today, the American church and I feel like it's a place of just judgmental, angry bigots. I think some of it is some of it's unfair. Um, some of it is is not right. Some of it is is false assumptions. Mm. But it's also wrapped up in some true things, right? Like sometimes, like Christians, especially, I feel like in the last few years, have not done themselves a lot of favors, um, you know, in the public sphere. Which is why I feel like we get a lot of heat sometimes. And and I don't know how to fix that. And like we can't. Like I don't think we should try to like buddy buddy with the culture completely, right? But like. I would, I would love it, Andrew, if someday, like, as far as like dreams to the church, because um, I think we're in that segment, um, you know, I feel like uh, I love, I love the claim and equip part you were talking about, like, or yeah, like let's claim the gospel. Let's not lose the core tenets of that. It was, let's be equipped to, it was proclaim, oh, proclaim. Oh, even, even better, even better, even better, <laughs> even better. <laughs> proclaim the gospel. Cause that's what we're called to do but also like be equipped to engaged in a very changing world. Right. And like, you know, rather than being reactive to everything, be proactive uh, as far as like how we talk to people, like um, it's how we share the gospel. And I know that's like simplifying something that's really complicated. Uh, but, you know, I was just, I was just at a, speaking at a retreat a couple of weeks ago, where I was telling students like, you know, I, I can't pretend to tell you what it is to talk about your faith uh, very well. Right. Cause I think, I think the world is, has, has changed and it's different. But if we believe that our God is sovereign and our God is good and our God is with us and that no matter like what Roman says, like, like no matter who's against me, like um, who, who can stand against me when God is for me, if we, if we hold to that, like maybe we'll have some mistakes, maybe our faith attempts won't be effective all the time, but like, and that shouldn't deter us from being bold, right? And it shouldn't deter us from saying, you know, not just in word, but also in deed and, and just, putting ourselves out there and loving. And, and I, again, we could, maybe we should have an evangelism episode. I don't know, but I think it is, it, it is that thing where like literally, you know, you know, we, you know, it's an easy win, right? Like start loving people <laughs> as who they are, start there. Mm. Um, and then, and then look for, look for opportunities to go further. Cause I feel like that is you know, the perception of the church is not great. It's, it's of a negative view when it comes to church or church people or, or especially white evangelicals, right? That's that's the hot part. Um, you know, there's there's stigmas in that, but it's like, man, could we could we change that perception if we just started to to not just talk in love, but walk in love, walk in grace? I don't know. Again, we're trying to solve a big a big problem on a podcast, but but I think we did. Oh, I think I think we got it solved. <laughs> Yeah, we'll we'll go there real fast as an ending, and we can go quick on this because um, yeah. you already touched on this. Um, what is what is the biggest dream for the church? What what and like yeah, why for 
lot of the discouragement we might feel in certain areas. What are what are encouraging things about the state of the church uh, in today's world and moving forward? Yeah. I feel like I well, the church is divided, but I feel like there are there are people and like there is a middle ground that is forming. They're just not as loud. And I feel like in that middle ground, there are people who. Uh, like at least what I'm experiencing to some degree is like, okay, there is a, there is a difference of certain beliefs, but there's still a unity on the core thing. And that is Christ as a savior and as a redeemer. And it is like, man, if we could just continue to, to elevate that and continue to just breathe that in, soak it up. Just remember like our, our big picture goal. I, I feel like, um, I feel like there's hope for the church and like, and honestly, even if the church is no longer in buildings in like 20 years, right. You know, like even if the government was to come in like, and just say, we're going to, you know, reserve your right to freedom of speech, or, you know, we're going to take away certain things or, you know, and that, and, and Andrew, that could, that could happen someday. Like, I don't want to just dismiss that. I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon, but, but even with that, like, then we get to start using the word persecution. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and then what, what do we have? We have like a whole history uh, in scripture that says that didn't stop God. That didn't stop the gospel. That didn't stop the message. I was going to say, and it, and it didn't stop his people. No, right, right. And if like, I feel like if we could just believe that and kind of get over ourselves, man, like, man, the church could do some awesome things. That's that's my dream, man. We got a church uh, where, where we got people who are like, like, I it's like it's like a like a movie plot right like i know what the ending is and i know the ending is happy so i'll go through all of the hard stuff now and and yet i still know that it's all i can walk in boldness knowing that the ending is going to be sweet right if we had more people who are like that um man what could what could god do with with the church in that way anyways what do you think man good michael it's a good word yeah it's interesting i feel like i even heard recently the fear voiced of the slippery slope that Christianity and Christians are facing and it's going down in America. And, and uh, yeah, what if we're jailed? Like, yeah, but certain people get in power or whatever. The laws are going to change and we might, we might get jailed for our beliefs or, or who knows? And I'm like, I don't want to say awesome to that because right. I, I have kids and I yeah. I can't even fathom the difficulty on the human level and the man level that, that I would face in that. But on the other hand, what a joy to be considered to be persecuted for the name of Christ. Hmm. Right? As a James, consider it be joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds for your faith is the inferred and unsaid part there. Uh, but it's not just trials for anything. It's trials for your faith, right? And join the ranks of martyrs and people who have been persecuted for 2,000 years. And I'm not saying it's going to be easy, uh, but I'm saying that that doesn't change a thing in terms of what our mission is, what we're called to do. It'll not change how we do it. And then we could learn a lot, Mike, from our brothers and sisters around the world who have been doing this for decades. Mm-hmm. I know. I think I think if we, you know, we have conversations, uh, if we were to have a conversation with, with people who um, do church secretly, right, 
if we were to say the worst thing that's happening to us right now is like, oh, we have to stay in our homes and, and wear cloths. And by the way, I'm not, I don't like, I don't like being isolated. I don't like wearing my mask, but I'm like, is that, is that the worst thing? Uh, I know that, that could be a, we're gonna get canceled um, <laughs> on this pod. Uh, Bring it on. No, I mean, I mean, honestly, like, like, I feel like sometimes, man, we just, I don't think, I don't think we get it. Uh, what, what persecution is right now where well, we got brothers and sisters who are like, yep. who could probably tell us like, Hey, the gospel is being proclaimed with less than what we have right now. And I feel like that, that should be a thought that I think like can be challenging, but also encouraging to go like, yeah, you're right, Andrew. Like, I don't want, I don't want to be persecuted. Um, <laughs> I, would, I would like not that to not happen, but yeah, even if we, if it comes to that dang man, like we, we know the good news. We know, we know things are going to be okay in one way or the other, whether it's on this side of things or, you know, I feel like Hebrews 11 comes to mind. Maybe, maybe we lose our life for the gospel, but man, what yeah. a, we know what we get. Yeah. But, and, and, and I think I'm encouraged um, and dreams for the church. I'm encouraged that I think COVID in the last two years and civil unrest and different things, I think it's just the refining fire. I think it's sharpening, Mm. Um, right every church is in a decrease in attendance and um it's not it's not all good um but you never enjoy people stepping away but at the same time the people that are here i know that i guess true of redeemer those that are here a redeemer right now um are generally a strong core group of people and a group that's going to make this church a lot stronger than if we had twice as many people um mm. that were half of them were half-hearted right um and not that and not that we don't want people we want people at any church who want people that are at all points of their journey and i don't mean to say that by any means but um i think that the church is going to grow strong because of this because the last two Mm. years uh moving forward so i'm excited to see what that looks like um and see how we can reimagine church i think it's um i hope that nobody working at a church right now is just figuring out how we can get back to the way it was or what we were doing. Um, right. It is a chance to reimagine, get back on track and figure out how to, and figure out how to go forward. Cause it's a new world that it was two years ago. So why are you trying to go back? It's just totally, there's, there's no going back. Right. Like that's right. From a, that's from a movie somewhere. There's no going back. Um, probably Chronicles mm. of Narnia. <laughs> I don't that's true. I need to watch that movie again. It's a good good flick you know what i did just watch the darkest hour about winston churchill with um oh um oh man come on uh he's he's in batman in the darkest night in the dark night or in the he's professor or the oh, professor oh my goodness gary oldman oh yeah yeah okay yeah yeah he's, he's he's Gordon, churchill. Right? i don't cool. know I, I haven't looked up any awards about that movie but he is freaking amazing Interesting. I mean, I like oh man, well, it's like I like World War II stuff as well. So yeah. that mixed with Gary Oldman and he his just performance. You wouldn't you don't recognize him at first. He became mm. Winston Churchill and Woo! So good. I'll I'll watch that. Do it. It's on Netflix. You don't have Netflix anymore. Uh we do for a few more days. Get it. Do it tonight. Uh we got the Olympics tonight. Can't do that. Anyways, uh you can watch that on replay anytime, anytime. That's true. On to ending this episode. <laughs> uh, thank yous, Mike. What? Uh, it's been a while. Yeah, yeah. 
eight or nine weeks worth of things to consider. What are you thankful for, sir? Uh, on a quick side, I love how we 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 did just stuff like eight or nine weeks of a break into one episode of a podcast. Man, go go us. Um, <laughs> Bring it on. Um, yeah, good to be back. Uh, you know, Andrew, I was thinking hard about this one, and I you know what um, this is going to be for. I want to thank I want to thank your son Gideon. And uh, and I, I know that he'll start to listen to podcasts here in the next year or so. And I wanted to, to hear a thank you for his awesome birthday wish that he I, gave me. I was just going to say, I know exactly what you're thinking. That it was, for. it was, it was so cute. Uh, I, I loved it. I wasn't able to see it cause I was working all day, but that night I saw it. And I thought, Oh, how, how cute that was for those. You don't know folks. Gideon is one of my closest and good friends. Even probably closer than Andrew. We're going to be friends forever. Um, so thank you, Gideon. I hope, been, you, I hope you enjoy this episode. He's been talking all week about going to see my mic this Saturday. Oh, is he really? Oh, uh, yeah. He always calls you my mic. I can't wait. Yeah, if you are friends with Mike on Facebook, go find his birthday post and scroll down to Gideon's or Kristen Goff's post and uh, check out Gideon's video because it's about the cutest birthday video you'll ever see in your life. It's, it'll warm your heart. Oh, my goodness. That kid's adorable. Um, what do you got for us? Thank yous. Andrew, you know, I am thankful for, um, good health. Um, mm. after we went through COVID really within the last, I would say starting a week, maybe two weeks ago, I think my family is the healthiest we have been since our daughter started school last August. Oh, like really? she, oh. she started kindergarten pretty normal. She got sick pretty good. We all kind of got sick and like at least one of us, if not multiple have been sick since then like for four straight months and it has just been annoying and i i think we're finally even the lingering costs are starting to like finally fade so it's just mm. nice to like be healthy right and you don't feel like you should take your kids anywhere fun like when they're just coughing even if they're not truly sick anymore um so we're just things are open we just got a subscription to the betty Brin museum um and went there for the first time Ooh. you know what i'm talking nice. about nice i do super fun you used to go there a lot i see you i well i was about to say you grew up here but your reaction didn't build confidence that you knew what i was talking about i, I recognize the name at first i'm like i think you're talking about okay yeah so that was a lot of fun so health i think thankful for good health mm. absolutely well how did it i don't know how long that was but it felt long so We'll see. Yeah, we're, we're we're over a good hour, so yeah, we'll we, we're we're coming back firing. First one back. <laughs> First one back. Uh, thank you for joining us again. If you picked us back up, thanks for hanging in the air for the Redeeming Church podcast and not unsubscribing because you thought we were done. Because we're not. <laughs> um, that's it. That's all I got. So. <laughs> You can, we you, do. Can quote, you can quote those rumors that, that, that came out that we were done. Yeah. Those, they weren't true. Yeah. Well, all, let, all 30 imaginary yeah. people were telling us that we were out. We're back. Let the headlines be known. We uh, we do hope to get on a much more regular uh, uh, schedule now that we're officially back. Uh, so you can look forward to that um, for the second half of season two. But until next time, I hope that you have a splendid, well, Actually, Valentine's Day will probably have already passed. So I hope that you had a splendid Valentine's Day, unless we release this very soon, in which case, have a splendid Valentine's Day. 
with your sweetheart and or um by yourself if if you do not have a date or by yourself <laughs> you're talking about one person in particular <laughs> uh, i think so I, I mean, no. maybe i don't know <laughs> no no <laughs> uh but yeah stay warm and um follow christ and we'll see uh see you next time on the flippity flop i'm andrew and i'm mike and this was episode 23 of the redeeming church podcast